Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Hey, so Pastor Mike has been preaching on miracles the last week. So have y'all enjoyed that? Yeah. Pastor Mike's been preaching. And, and so I look, because in this series on miracles, is based on Ephesians 3.20, which is one of my favorite verses in all the scripture. And it says this, that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, come on, say it with me, above all we could ask or think according to his power that's at work within me. And so we've been preaching on miracles. And Pastor Mike, one of my closest friends, says, I'm going to preach on miracles on weeks one and two. And then on week three, I'm going to go out out of town and let you talk about what happens when the miracles don't happen. So that's what we're going to talk about today. That we believe and we confess it. That I believe God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than all I could ask or imagine. But there are moments in my life, and I won't make you raise your hand, where I don't feel like I'm living exceedingly abundantly more than all I could ask or imagine. In fact, maybe I'm exceedingly abundantly disappointed that what I thought was going to happen didn't happen. Or I'm exceedingly abundantly hurt. And so I'm praying, like the story we're going to read, if you have your Bibles, you can turn now to John chapter 11. I'm praying, Lord, this is what I need. But do you ever feel like God is late in showing up on your behalf? I mean, late like that cousin to Thanksgiving. You know the cousin I'm talking about? The cousin that grandma loves the most because nobody ever gave him a break. But they're sleeping in, showing up, and now you got to eat cold sweet potato casserole because grandma wouldn't let anybody eat till they got there. You're sitting around waiting. And sometimes, I know pastors aren't supposed to say this, that's how my life feels. There are moments in my life where I am believing that God is going to show up. You ever felt like spiritually in your life, you're going, he's going to walk through any minute. Three, two, one, nobody comes in. All right? And you say, well, Jesus would never do that. Well, let's look at a story right here in John chapter 11. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. I love this next verse. It has no spiritual content, at least to me whatsoever, but I just think it's funny. There are more Marys in Jerusalem than there are Boudreaux in Homa. And so John felt the need to put this in here to let you know which Mary he was talking about. Now, this is the Mary whose brother Lazarus, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I thought that was funny. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. That's what we're supposed to do, right? We send word to Jesus, Lord, my finances aren't acting like they're supposed to. My kids aren't acting like they're supposed to. My body is not working like it's supposed to. And here's what Jesus says. When he heard this, Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. That's great to read on Sunday morning. That's not the response that I want. I don't want to hear Jesus say, your sickness will not end in death. I want Jesus to say, your sickness will end right now. I'm done. I want Jesus to walk in like a mad parent when the kids are fighting. You do that? This is just be quiet. This stops. All stops right now. I want Jesus to walk into my life and say, this sickness is over. I'm not putting up with this for one more day. No, Jesus, like a good parent, stops and tells me the purpose of my pain. 
I don't want my pain to have purpose. I want my pain to have an expiration date. I want it to be over. I want my prayers answered. I want my life easy. I want it all to go away. That's not what Jesus says here. Jesus says this sickness will not end death. The literal translation there in the Greek, and for the next couple of minutes, I'm going to sound way smarter than I really am, all right? But the literal translation says this sickness is not unto death, but it is for the glory of God. And what Jesus is saying is the purpose of this sickness is not death. Now, here's the thing. That does give me some comfort because I know that God's in control. Now, I may have to be patient because he's not doing what I want right now, but he is in charge of the purpose of my sickness. And he says the purpose of this sickness is not death. No, it is for the glory of God. Now, here's what I don't like. This shows me that God is more concerned with his glory than he is my prayer request. That hurts a little bit, but I know this, that God's glory gives purpose to my pain. And if I will understand that, that's going to help me on the journey as I go through these times, which all of us do, and, and I'll be honest, we spend most of our life there. We spend most of our life waiting for God to show up in one area or another. And so he says this, that it is for the glory of God. Now, now here, here's what my definition of glory. I, I like definitions. I like to make sure that we're all on the same page. I learned that from my kids, all right? Like, for instance, one time, my son Jordan walked in. He's about four years old. It was like 30 degrees outside, and he ran in the living room, said, Dad, I'm going outside, and he didn't have his shoes on. And I was like, son, you can't go outside in your bare feet. Completely serious. He looks down, looks at me. Dad, I don't have bare feet. I have kid feet. So I want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. So when we talk about God's glory, here is what I mean. God's glory means that other people see who he is and what he can do. So when we say that God is more concerned with my glory, with his glory, than my prayer request, what we're saying is God is more concerned that the people around me see who God is and what he can do than he is with remedying my pain at this specific moment. Now, he gives me the comfort to say, this sickness will not end in death. I will not let this destroy you, but I might leave you where you are for just a little bit so that people around me can see something about me that they couldn't have seen any other way. And so when that happens, we understand, what am I going to do when God allows it? So let, let's keep reading. Look at the next couple of verses. So he says this, and here's the thing. It gets worse. Now, aren't you glad you got dressed up on a Sunday morning after Thanksgiving, came in the rain to hear this next verse? Now, Jesus loved, now here's it. this cracks me up too about, I think John got mad at Mary when he wrote this verse, because we know he knows her name. And then he says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, all right? So he says this, so Jesus loved them. Jesus loved Lazarus, loved Mary and Martha. You need to know that. When God leaves you in your pain, it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. But you would think, and I know you can see the verse behind me, all right? You would think it says, now Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he canceled all his meetings. He left where he was. He got to Lazarus 
as soon as he could. It doesn't say that. It doesn't even say, and Jesus tried as hard as he could to get to Lazarus, but it took him a little while. What does it say? When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. You ever hear somebody say something that somebody else said or did, and you're like, that doesn't sound like them. I don't think that really happened. That's what I think when I read this verse. I mean, this sounds almost sacrilegious, especially for a pastor on Sunday morning, all right? If it was Tuesday, it'd be okay. I'm just kidding. That Jesus loves Lazarus, loves Mary, loves Martha. Lazarus is really sick. He literally is days from death. And somebody comes to Jesus. I don't know if you heard, but Lazarus is sick. He's dying. And Martha, whatever her sister's name is, they asked you, to get there as soon as you can. All right, thanks. And he just, they didn't even say what he was doing. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Sometimes I feel like that. I feel like Jesus is waiting. And, and here's something I think is really important. I think how we handle the wait is a defining moment in our life. Because we're all gonna go through that. How we handle the weight. You know, why, and here's the thing. Why did Jesus wait? He, he was waiting for Lazarus to die. That's the easy answer, and I know that sounds terrible, but he wasn't waiting for Lazarus to die. He was waiting for the opportunity to do a miracle that Mary and Martha didn't even know to ask for. You see, here's the other side of exceedingly, abundantly, above, all I could ask or even imagine. It never even crossed Mary and Martha's mind that Jesus would raise Lazarus from the dead. They wanted a healing. Jesus wanted something for Lazarus and Mary and Martha that was so much above that, they didn't even know how to. But in order to get there, he had to wait, leave Mary and Martha in silence, leave Lazarus on his sickbed, let them go through the trauma of Lazarus dying, Mary and Martha losing their brother so they could get to the point where he could show them, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live even though he dies. That's why Jesus waited. And so we've got to understand, in that waiting season, we need to lock in on the fact that we want God to do something for us but God wants to do something in us so that he can do something through us. And if I can lock into that, now I understand that I'm not just waiting. God is doing something. If you're in a waiting season right now, and here's what I mean by a waiting season. You've got a prayer request that God hasn't answered. You've got a pain in your life that God has not taken away. You've got a question that you can't figure out. And God has the answer. We know that. But it feels like he's waiting two more days. Here's how we know if we're waiting well. The first one is this. Do we cope or do we change? Do we cope or do we change? Here's what I mean by coping. Coping is me distracting myself from the problem so I can get through it. And look, we all know this. There are dangerous ways to cope. There are drugs and alcohol and relationships and all that kind of stuff. There are seemingly, you know, harmless ways to cope. We throw ourselves into work or we distract ourselves with something else. And it's not so much that the things we're focusing on are bad, 
It's the fact that I've decided this hurts so much, I'm just going to distract myself till it's over so I can just get through this. And I don't lock into what God wants to do in me. And let me say this. I thought about this this week. Good things can be coping mechanisms. Even church can be a coping mechanism. And churchy things. And look, I love church. I love this church. But if we come to church just to make us feel good, get a positive view on our problems, and we walk away unchanged, then we've used church to cope, or we've used worship music to cope, but we've not made ourselves available to God so he can change us on the inside. Because let me tell you this, church is great, but only Jesus can change you. And there is a difference between someone that comes to church and someone that has made themselves fully available to Jesus Christ so that he can change every single part of their life. You know, I thought about this. Coming to church when you're hurting is like grabbing a plate when you're hungry. It's a great first step, but it won't fill you up. Only Jesus Christ can fill us up. And here's what, in this waiting season, Jesus doesn't want us to cope because if we're coping or using something to distract us, then we don't, uh, we're not available for him to change us, and that's what he wants us to do. I, I, I love, I, I read military stuff, and I like to read history, and I read a few books a few years ago on Navy SEAL training. I mean, the Navy SEALs go through some of the toughest training of anyone. And here's what they, they don't call it a phase or they don't call it a section when they go through a section of training. You know what they call it? They call it an evolution. Because if you can make it through it, you'll be different on the other side. And it's preparing you for where you want to go. God wants to change you. I love this. If you, you can read this, I think it'll be on the screen. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 4, 12 through 13. Now, this is a great verse. Because it ends with, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But what Paul is really saying is, I can make it through anything. So look at what he says here. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And what are you saying? I know what it is to wait. I know what it is when God waits two more days. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. Look at this. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. How did he learn? He learned through being hungry and being available for God to change him. He didn't cope with the hunger. He changed in the hunger. He changed when he was need and he, when he was in need. And so he was a different person on the other side. And so now he doesn't need to be well-fed anymore because he's just as comfortable being hungry as he is being well-fed. God hasn't done that in my life right now. I'm not comfortable being hungry at all, all right? But God wants to do it. God wants to change it. So do we cope or do we change? Here's the second question. You know, if we're waiting well, do we, do we bail or do we build? Do we bail? I didn't get what I wanted from God. I needed my bills paid. I wanted to be in a relationship. I needed healing. I needed this restored. I tried church. I read my Bible. I did the one year. I did all this stuff, and God didn't show up. I'm out. That shows us that we were believing for something, but we can't believe in something. That we were using God to get what he wanted, and God didn't work, so now I'm moving on to something else. Or do we build right where we are? One of the things I told myself a few years ago when I was going through one of the hardest seasons of my life is that I will build the life I want out of the life that I have. 
I'm not going to wait till my prayer gets answered to build peace and joy and strength into my life and purpose into my life. I'm going to build right now. And so I want you to look at this verse, and this is another one of those. It, it, this is what I call one of those Hobby Lobby verses, all right? And nothing, look, I love Hobby Lobby. God bless Hobby Lobby. I got some of them in my house, all right? But just once, I want to walk into somebody's kitchen and see a nice painted you know, piece of wood that says, the wicked and lazy servant, all right? <laughs> it's always something good. And so Jeremiah 29 is one of those. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And I, look, I love that verse, and that verse is 100% true. But let me give you the context of that verse. Jeremiah spoke that to some Israelites who were in exile in Babylon and wanted to get out of Babylon. You ever been there? You're in a season of your life. All you care about is getting out of it. And look what Jeremiah tells them. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, you know what the Lord Almighty means? The Lord that can do anything. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem and Babylon. Get ready, pack your bags, I'm getting you out. That's not what he says. Build houses and settle down. I know you're not where you want to be. I know you want to be out of this situation. He doesn't say settle, but he says settle down. Build a house. Look what he goes. Build houses. Settle down, plant gardens. Why would I plant a garden somewhere I wanna leave? Because you're gonna be there for a little while. And if you wait to experience all that God has for you, for when you get everything that you want, it's only gonna happen in heaven. I've gotta build a house where I am. I may not like being here, but this is where I am. I'm building a house here. I'm planting a garden here. Look what he says. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. Let me tell you what God wants to tell you. You may be where you are for a little while longer, but God wants to tell you, you can still increase. You don't have to decrease. You can, you are not gonna bail. I'm gonna build on what God has for me. Let's look at the next, let's look at the next verse. So they say this, they say, but rabbi. So he says, look, okay, after two days, he says, let's go. He says, but rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews were there and they tried to stone you. Are you going back? And that's what happened. The last time he was in Jerusalem, they tried to stone him. And now he, Lazarus lives close to Jerusalem. And look what he says here. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they will see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Now, here's what's interesting to me. At first, it seems like Jesus has no urgency at all. Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Great. Think I can leave on Saturday. Just sitting around. But then when it's finally time to go, he says, let's go. There's only 12 hours of daylight. Here's what it tells me. Jesus is never waiting. He is always working. God is always working. If we feel like he's waiting, it just means we don't know what he's working on. And the truth is, because he's probably working on us. And here's where our expectations can become limitations to God. Because when I hear that God is working, I want to think, well, God, here, this is my need. 
So God must be working on my need, and when I don't feel like he's working on my need, I don't feel like he's working at all. But God is always working. And so if my expect, if I only think that God's working, if he's working on what I want, then I have put limitations for God on what he can do in my life. I sometimes feel like spiritually, I'm like my kids when they're standing in front of the refrigerator. I don't know if your kids do this at all. They open up the refrigerator, and what do they say? We got nothing to eat. We got leftovers from Thanksgiving. We got the pizza we ordered last night. I got sandwich meat in there. There's peanut butter and jelly in the pantry. Oh, we got no, I don't like that. But what do you want? I want Chick-fil-A. They're only gonna be satisfied if they want Chick-fil-A. I feel like spiritually, sometimes I'm a spiritual teenager standing in front of the refrigerator what God's doing in my life. God's not blessing my life. Well, he's doing this, he's doing, well, what do you want? I have narrowed it down to one thing, that if God doesn't bless this, then I don't feel like he is blessing me at all. And what that shows is I've got immature faith. My expectations are actually putting a limitation on God. So here's what happened. Lazarus got sick. Mary and Martha, that's her name, Mary, send word to Jesus, the one you love is sick, and they were looking for a healing, but Jesus waited because he wanted to give them a miracle they didn't even know to ask for. So here's the question that I need to ask in my life. Do I trust God to choose the miracle that he wants to do in my life? Because I'm telling you, I'm not, that's a tough choice. Lord, here's what I think I need, but I trust you to do anything that you want. That's tough. When, when I got dressed this morning, I don't know if you noticed this shirt, all right? I don't usually wear shirts like this, um, but my wife bought me some new clothes, and she picks out my clothes. My wife, come on, clap our hands for Christy over here. And so, you know, she's picking, and so she'll say sometimes, like, babe, can you help me find something to wear tomorrow? And she'll go in my closet and be like, do you trust me? Because she knows what I want to wear, blue jeans and a blue shirt. I'm in a blue shirt 90% of the time, all right? But, you know, I've got to understand now, do I trust her to, to pick out? And I do, because I, I don't know if you know this, she has this amazing retreat center in St. Francisville, and it's an 1800s house that she has turned into a retreat center. And when I first saw that and we were dating, I knew I was her type, because both me and that house are old, white, and need to be remodeled, all right? <laughs> and so she knows what I'm going to pick out if I go to my closet, but she walks in and says, do you trust me to wear what I pick out for you? And I have to ask myself that. Look, what you think you need, pray for. Don't apologize for it. Believe for it, ask God for it, fast for it, write it in your journal. But can I do all that and then hand it to God and say, but Lord, I trust you because I want you to do something that is exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ask or even imagine. And, and I'm gonna have to then put that in your, and I may have to feel like you're waiting a little bit. In fact, I may be sick, praying to get healed, and you let me die. But it's because on the other end, there is a resurrection, which I wanna get to, because we're, we're running out of time, so let me, let me read this. So look at the next, look at the next phrase. 
He said, uh, I'm, I'm gonna skip some of this, all right? And there's some notes on the app that you can get to, all right? Where are we at? Skip down to verse 21. He finally gets there, and Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he'll rise again on the last day. Look at what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Do I have the faith to say, Lord, I know who you, I've let you change me through the waiting. So now I'm more focused on who you are than what you can do. And I believe even if I die, even if the money doesn't work out like I want, even if worst case scenario happens, I believe you are the resurrection and the life. And you can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or imagine. Look down, let's go verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. I want you to know this. God can call you out of your grave. It may get so bad that you feel like they are rolling the stone in front of your grave and you are left in a dark, cold, empty place, but God can call your name and call you out of that grave because he is the resurrection and the life. And that's the miracle that he wants to do in our life, something that we didn't even think was possible. But here, as crazy it gets, it even gets better because I think the real miracle is in John chapter 12. So he calls Jesus, he calls Lazarus out. Lazarus gets resurrected. Now in John chapter 12, Jesus goes into Jerusalem. This is the Sunday before he's crucified on a Friday. It's the last week of Jesus' life. And he goes into Jerusalem and the Pharisees and the religious leaders have already decided we have got to kill Jesus. But look who gets lumped in on that. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus. They wouldn't have flocked to see Lazarus if he had just been healed. They wouldn't have flocked to see Lazarus if Mary and Martha had gotten their first prayer request answered. But they flocked to see Lazarus because God had done something in his life like he can do in your life that is exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. Now, but here's what comes with that. Look what it says. They flocked to see the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Here's my last point. God just doesn't want to make us better. God wants to make us dangerous. God wants to do something in your life that is so powerful that people around you are deserting their old way of life and they're moving to a new way of life because they see the peace you have even in the grave. They see the joy you have even in the grave. And here's what I love, and I firmly believe this, that God can take the thing in your life that you wish had never had happened and he can make it something that Satan wished never had happened. Because just like Satan had Jesus on the cross and thought, this is it, I've got him, this is the end, what Satan thought was his victory turned out to be his biggest defeat. 
And what I want you today is to believe that even the worst thing that happened in your life, the worst day of your life, the worst mistake that you've ever made, God can turn that into something that threatens the kingdom of darkness because people around you start to see who he was, who Jesus is, and they desert their old way of life and they follow Jesus because you had the faith to believe for exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could have asked or imagined. Now, it may have cost you more than you could have ever asked or imagined. It may be harder than you could have ever imagined, but it ends up just like Ephesians 3.20 ends up in 21, for the glory of God, so that those around you see who God is and what he does in a way that they never could if you hadn't had faith to believe when it felt like Jesus wasn't showing up for you. But God did something in you. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.